Hello there. Welcome to Business of Design. This is episode 242, and you are in the right place. If you are an interior design professional of any sort or a creative professional, I had the most interesting conversation with a yoga teacher yesterday. We asked her to do a private class to clean up a couple of the techniques. I know I'm not doing very well. And when it came time to ask her what the fee for the session was, she did what I've seen so many times and what I've done myself so many times. She hemmed and she hawed and she began to tell me all the reasons she charges money and how she would really be happy even if I didn't pay her. And we got into this amazing conversation about how hard it is sometimes for professional women to just be comfortable asking for a fee for the value they provide. So we're not alone. It's not just that interior design professionals struggle. It looks like a whole bunch of other people struggle. And I have met so many female professionals who struggle, yoga teachers, uh, someone who did uh, hair and makeup for me for an event did the exact same thing. So we're not alone. This is episode 242. I don't know if I already said that. And we have something a little bit different planned for the next three episodes. Or what I probably should say is we have something a little bit different unplanned for the next three episodes. Cheryl and I were talking about how much we miss live events and that just spontaneous flow of conversation. And she suggested that I just riff randomly on a section of one of the business of design books I've written. So my task here today is to open up volume one, have the professional life you've always wanted, and randomly pick a page and talk about what's on that page. So I am going to do that. Next week, we'll pick up volume two, the week after volume three. Before I even open up the book, though, I'm going to say, have the professional life you've always wanted. That's the title of the book. And that was my mission, my dream, and my deepest desire when I finally hired a business coach who changed my life because I didn't have the professional life I always wanted. I envisioned myself being master of my own empire, having staff, having a team, having satisfied clients, having profit, having real money. I thought I would have all those things automatically by virtue of the fact that I'm willing to work so hard. And I crashed and burned in a tragic, though not unfamiliar way. Today, I do have the professional life I've always wanted. I feel powerful and strong in who I am. And maybe that's because I'm older now. Of course, when I'm 30 when I was 30 years old, that would have been tough to do, right? But I don't think that's it exclusively because I have met 30-year-olds who have followed the procedures and protocols and systems from business of design and they have transformed their business in their 30s. Wow. That was not my story, but I'm happy it's yours, or I'm happy it could be yours. We are going to hear some quick announcements from Cheryl, and then I am going to randomly turn to a page from Volume 1, Have the Professional Life You've Always Wanted, Business of Design. We'll just see what happens. And Cheryl, 
what is going on at Business of Design. We've actually got a whole lot going on at Business of Design these days. Uh, last week was uh, September's BOD live member meeting, and we talked about the operations manual. So uh, if you're a member of Business of Design and you weren't able to join us live, the recording from that member meeting is available on the website. This week, you're actually getting out there face-to-face -face with the design community. As part of the IDS Fall Conference, you're going to be presenting Launch Projects Like a Boss. That's hosted by Sherwin-Williams, and that's happening this Thursday, October 7th, at the Toronto International Design Center. So thank you to Sherwin-Williams for hosting that and their support of Business of Design. Uh, we're really excited to get out there and do um, our first live in-person event in, in far too long. And then next week, meeting one of our first BOD boss group kicks off. Uh, we have been all hands on deck getting ready for this first meeting. Uh, for quite some time now, uh, we're really excited about it. I think all of those participating in our first meeting are super excited about it as well. And that kicks off next week, so we're ready for that. And then, of course, we recently opened up registration for the BOD Elite Retreat Santa Monica 2022. Details are on the website. We just added a loose itinerary for those who haven't uh, been to a retreat before. It just sort of gives you um, a little bit of an overview of what you can expect from the retreat. Details are available on the website. Tickets are limited. If you register before December 15th, you're going to get in on early bird registration. That means you're going to save $300. And in order to reserve your spot, we're only going to be asking for a 50% deposit. So make sure if you are interested, uh, check out the website, email me with any questions you have, and get your ticket before December 15th. If you are a member of Business of Design, you're going to save $500 with your member preferred pricing. Make sure you check that out get your questions answered. I am available to do that. And all details for all of these events are at businessofdesign.com. Thanks so much. Are you kidding? Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm vibrating over here. A live event. Oh my God, that's so exciting. Boss launching. Unbelievable. Boss members, I hope you received a big package in the mail. Should be very exciting to open up this package when we're all together. And those of you who have signed up for Santa Monica's Elite Retreat, we are going to pull out all the stops this year because for so many of us, it's been so long since we've been able to really huddle together and be face to face. The future is looking good, very excited. And I will also say, because I know Cheryl's had this question, oh my gosh, what happens if in some crazy mixed up way the pandemic begins to surface again, your deposit will be 100% returnable. We want to make sure that that's really clear because I know some people are like, I don't want to give a deposit yet because I'm not sure what we're going to do. The reality is the retreat will sell out and I would love to be able to close it sooner rather than later. And I want you to know for sure in the event it's not safe for everybody to be together, your deposit is 100% returnable. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, 
increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Now, back to the assignment at hand. I don't even know if I can focus anymore because I'm so excited about Boss starting this week. I mentioned the yoga teacher off the top, and I didn't ask her permission to share what she sent me, so I'm going to keep this limited. But I think it's worth sharing with everybody because I certainly resonated with what she said. But she reached out to me later in the day and said, I want to thank you so much for the convo this morning. I did some deep thinking on this, and I've shifted my thinking entirely I think perhaps I was hiding behind my words about my work being a spiritual practice and therefore exempting it from commerce. That's wrong. Otherwise, why would I have paid for years and years of training that allows me to teach and years of experience? I was mistaking modesty for self-worth. And she went on to say it's also a bit hypocritical saying, you know, you don't have to make your practice, your livelihood, what you're good at a business. That really is only something you could say from a real place of privilege, right? That indicates that you are not the sole breadwinner for your family. But what if you were? What if everything changed and you had to? She also mentions that a lot of women hide behind these constraints And they paint them as something else to make them more palatable. So in her case, it's, I love sharing the practice of yoga because it's good for people. It's a wonderful service I do for the world, right? That's a beautiful story. But that shouldn't exempt you from, as she says, turning your business into commerce. Anyway, I just thought that was so interesting to see that in someone who is so uber talented and provided so much value to me. I hustled her. I asked her, please, please do this private for me. And then she answered all my questions and gave me great solutions to some of the things I felt like I was missing in my practice. So I was a hundred percent satisfied client and I was very happy to pay for that service. So there you go. I'm going to reach out to her and see if she's willing to be on the podcast because I think there's more to talk about there, which I'm very excited about. And now I'm very excited about picking up over here this book right here, Have the Professional Life You've Always Wanted, Volume 1, Business of Design. There it is. There's my name. There's my face looking you know, pretty tired, I think, but there, there you go. I really don't like having my photograph taken. I don't mind being on TV. I know that's weird, but I feel like TV moves. And so if you look weird one second, maybe the next second you look okay. But a a photograph is like frozen in time and it's just terrifying. And especially nowadays with zooming in on everything. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness a book you can't zoom in on. That's good. And now what I'm going to do is I'm just going to randomly open the book to page, what does it say? 101. Okay, it's chapter six. It says client insight and contentment. I remember writing this initially and thinking I wanted to call it the care and feeding of your client. And that seemed to flip, but that really summed it up for me that how am I going to take care of this wild thing 
known as a client. It's a chapter head. So in the chapter, it talks about caring for your clients, satisfaction for design. No, 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 not not satisfaction for design. It's satisfaction by design. The idea that you have a strategic plan to make your clients happy. For so many years, it was just luck. We got lucky. Oh my gosh, we're so lucky that showed up on time. We're so lucky that turned out okay. And that got exhausting. And of course, luck runs out. So satisfaction by design means you have a strategic plan for satisfying those clients and running your projects. And you follow that plan every time. And then the next section in chapter six has to do with ignoring the sparks. I call those little red flags that clients lay at our feet sparks. Uh, How do I explain this? Let me give you an example. You are currently, lead times are crazy, right? So we're working on a project and recently a client said to me like, I know lead times are crazy, but you're going to work your magic, right? And make it happen. (laughs) And the answer is no, I have no magic. I live in the real world. I don't have a wand. I cannot put a gun to the manufacturer's head. I cannot force anybody to get the item I need on a container ship and get it here any faster. So I've learned to face those kinds of things head on rather than laugh along with them, right? Another one might be like, I know it's only four months, but this is going to be ready for Christmas, right? And the answer is no, it's not. 100% no, super no, never going to happen by Christmas. I know that's disappointing now, so much more disappointing if you start counting on it being ready for Christmas, right? And then the last section in that chapter has to do with choosing the right clients. I'm not a victim, right? Every time I pick a client I know is not a good client, I suffer. And I suffer because I've made a bad choice. It's a self-inflicted wound and I have to start owning it. So that's a description of the overview of this one chapter, but I'm going to stick to the rules. And so I will turn my attention to page 101. And I'll just read the first paragraph. It says, shall we talk about clients? I know. Now you're wondering if I'm crazy. How could I possibly write a book that talks about clients when I'm still a practicing designer? After all, you're thinking, I must agree with you that clients are the ultimate thorn in the side, don't I? Isn't it every designer's favorite joke? I love my job. If only it didn't involve clients. Eyes rolling in mock jest. Ha ha ha. Aren't we funny? No, not really. Yes. I absolutely felt that way at one point. Like I love my job, but it would be so much better if I didn't have to deal with clients. And I felt so committed to that concept for a long time. I thought I'm going to flip houses Uh, When my television career was full-blown, I thought I'm just going to do the TV work. There was a point where I was really busy with magazines. I thought I'm just going to focus on print media magazine. It was so challenging for me to interact and particularly to manage clients that almost any other aspect of the business seemed really good to me. And the fact of the matter is, I believe anyway, this is something you can't dabble in. You're either all in and you're going to take full responsibility for those clients, or this is my experience and this is my opinion, you're going to get yourself in trouble to have a really 
difficult, challenging experience. I have never been able to find a middle ground. I'm either 100% on it or it's disaster all around. The fact of the matter is I had this sort of chronic, hateful thinking about clients. So many of my clients back then, not now, but back then I thought, oh my gosh, they're so difficult. They're so ridiculous. They're so challenging. They're so this, they're so that. The truth is today I know they were probably wonderful clients, but I just did not have the skills or the tools or the boundaries or the protocols or the systems I needed in order to run projects. And that created a huge amount of stress for those clients. And that stress showed up in a variety of ways that wasn't pleasant. And I labeled them all bad clients. What I came to understand painfully and slowly through spending $100,000 on coaching, finally at last, is that I'm the problem. I'm the common denominator. It's not possible that one person could attract so many, air quotes, bad clients. It had to be me. But what was I doing to set the ball in motion? What was I doing to push clients to show their worst selves to me instead of their best selves to me. Because I really do believe most of us have good days and we have bad days. And most of us are capable, at least I can speak for myself, of acting like a true ass from time to time. I've had moments where I've been incredibly rude to someone on the phone, incredibly rude or aggressive with someone face to face. I'm not proud of those moments. I don't like those moments. But truly, if you met me only in one of those moments, you might say, wow, she's a real jerk. Conversely, if you met me in a moment where I'm really showing you my best self, you'd say, oh, wow, I really like her. I think I'm mature enough now to understand that most of us are capable of being wonderful and pretty difficult given the right opportunity. So what right opportunities was I handing my clients back then when I first started that were making them be stressed out? I think I have some insight into that now. I know I have some insight into that now for a variety of reasons. One, I do it much better now. I am much, much much better at managing client expectations. That's because I have systems and a protocol I follow. And when I don't make exceptions, allowances, or modifications, everything goes well. I can also see how working with other professionals when they're providing me a service can illustrate what it's like to work with someone who doesn't have efficient systems, who isn't good at client communication, how much stress that can cause. And by the way, there are so few things we do in life that are more stressful than renovating your home, right? Than having a bunch of people walking around in your sacred space and making your life messy and inconvenient. So there's just this extra element of stress that happens with what we do. That's a sort of summation of what's on page 101. And I'll give you a little sneak peek at page 102, but it goes on to talk about the fact that I had to get comfortable accepting responsibility for every single thing that went wrong on my project, for everything that does go wrong currently on my projects. I have to own it because if I can own it, if I accept responsibility fully, I can fix it. If it's someone else's fault, I may have the temporary satisfaction of blaming that person, but I can't fix it. There are no solutions. 
when it's my fault, I can fix it. And I had to get really comfortable, which was not easy to do, listening to my clients' complaints, accepting responsibility, not defending myself, but then correcting whatever the issue was that led to the breakdown. Ah, I will tell you, that's a lifelong journey. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm really much better at it now. And you guys heard me recently on a podcast talk about a challenging client I have. I haven't had a challenging client like this in a decade. So now I get a difficult client once every decade where years and years ago, every single client who walked through my door was ridiculous and challenging and difficult, et cetera, et cetera. We actually had to implement at my office a money docking system because the whole design team was in the habit of criticizing the clients when we get together for meetings. Oh, she wants me to, to do this. She's so ridiculous. Or he's out of his mind. He thinks blah, blah, blah. And so this kind of toxic conversation around clients had to stop and it was challenging. So we put a big jar in the middle of the table and you had to put a dollar in if you wanted to say something that was negative about a client. And there were occasions where I said to somebody like that, that's a $5 comment. You owe us money. And then we would use the money that accumulated, which was quite a lot to buy everybody lunch one day. And it took a long time, but you know what? It stopped. It stopped mostly because we changed our systems and procedures and therefore clients got along with us. Suddenly we weren't stressing them out. We weren't making them crazy. And those same exact clients became lovely, reasonable human beings. And for the most part, that's who I work with every single day. That's page 101. Volume one, have the professional life you've always wanted. Books are available at businessofdesign.com. As always, I'm so glad you're here. I look forward to seeing you next week. We're going to talk about volume two and some random page. I have no idea. And I hope your week is not random. I hope your week is lovely and planned and considered and you have some wonderful projects to look forward to and some happy events to look forward to. I will see you next time. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.